I remember like one of the police officers started calling me like a lion, like you're such a lion. And I was like, why are you calling me that? And then he actually called me and my brothers, all three of us, he's like, oh, the lions are coming. And that made me feel so prideful because like, I was like, I've never saw myself as a lion. Like I didn't, I never saw myself as a brave thing, but that made me feel so brave. And my brother points out, he's like, you know why they're calling us lions? And I said, why? He's like, it's because of you. You're the one that they have, they have the drag picture of. You're the one they have the gate. You're the one that they're trying to like drag down and you're just like smiling and just walking around like calm. And, uh, and I, I kept on saying trust was one of my biggest things. Just the TYA, trust your abundance. I just kept on telling myself, just trust. Like I manifested this, like something great will come out of it. Taya Bootcamp graduate, Luke. Taya Bootcamp graduate with a very interesting story to share with us today. Hi, Luke. Hey, David, how's it going? Good, good. I like your new hair. You look kind of like uh, Ricky Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I actually just got a haircut yesterday, so appreciate it. Yay. <laughs> so, thank you, thank you. Let's, let's dive into this. The, this is a story that's um, it's really interesting. And I really, really right up front want to tell you how uh, appreciative I am that you're coming on and sharing in this way, because this is something that, uh, first of all, a lot of people would not have the courage to do, much less come and talk about and share the way that I, that you're going to. So thank you for in advance for your sharing. But just to kind of tee up who you are, Luke is a graduate of Taya Camp. You've been out for a little while and you had a very interesting experience coming in, going through and then exiting. And you've been out for how long have you been out now? Um, I would say almost three years, probably three years in October, I would say, yeah. Yeah, so it's been a while. So um, yeah, your, your, your manifestation of detuning fear definitely is uh, continuing to unfold and it's, uh, it's very inspiring. So I'm just going to let you take it away. Sort of just start us at the beginning of before you got into boot camp, your boot camp journey, and then really going into to what you just experienced very recently. Okay, so yeah, um, you're making it seem like courageous and all that, but I don't know, I'm just telling a story, but I appreciate that. But yeah, actually before Taya, I was married to a woman and then I basically was the type of person that just did things for the sake of others. And I was trying to remember my uh, childhood, like recently after Taya, I was just like, I don't remember a lot of my childhood. I was curious about like, what kind of a person was I when I was a kid? So I like discovered that I was kind of like courageous and I just did whatever myself. So I was like, when did I become basically a coward? And I remembered that when I was at least like 11, 12-ish and I was still learning English. I just came to America like when I was 10. So I learned a new word and the new word was naked and I had never known what this word was. So like I already was interested in like looking at like a naked man, but I just... I found, uh, I actually discovered internet. So I just typed in those two words and and it was like at a public library. So like artistic things came up. So it was drawings and paintings of naked men. And it was nothing, it wasn't like a porn or anything. It was, I was just a kid and I was just curious to like, why was I interested in wanting to look at that? So we ended up getting internet and then I basically did the same thing at home. And I had never knew anything about history or whatnot. So one night my dad, gets the whole family together. My, he lines my brothers up and he just pulls up the porn and he's like, um, whose is this? And my heart just drops. And I was like, oh my gosh, like everybody's about to find out. Like, what? I, I, again, I didn't even know what it was, but I was just curious to like, 
I just found my way into it through internet. So like my both of my brothers were like, yeah, no, we don't know what that is. And then I was like, yes, it's mine. So like since then, like my parents became very strict at like the way I was, like the way I ate, the way I walked, the way I talked, everything became like very like there was a strict like I had they were watching me with like a little magnifying like you can't be this this is not okay it's a yeah, sin just, and to give a little background too do you <clears throat> want to share the um you, where you're from originally oh yeah I'm from Pakistan originally so I, I was born and raised in a very conservative Muslim family so yeah so for us being gay was just like nope that is not allowed so like since then at a young age, I was already being trained, like, that's not okay, you're supposed to get married, and blah, blah, blah. So many years later, so I've been avoiding keeping myself away from the gay culture and, like, just kind of, like, resisting it, if you will. And then uh, uh, many years later, like, you know, I get it arranged into a marriage, like, you know, this will help me cure it. Me and my wife could, like, pray the gay away. So we would, like, and nothing would work, and then everybody's, like, maybe having a kid. So, like, again, I was ignorant I just fell for whatever I was like I need to do things to make everybody happy but at the end of the day I wasn't so we had a kid my daughter and then again again that kind of brought, brought us together but again uh, after that like there was still a lot of issues between us like you know she deserved a man who wanted her and I deserved a man who wanted me too so like it was just this it, it just didn't we were both kind of going through like we were having conversations about it and she kind of would kind of blaming on me she's like you're not trying hard enough you're not praying to god hard enough you're choosing to be gay so like those arguments started happening and we started kind of drifting apart and it kind of like and then i discovered uh taya and then uh through a podcast actually this very podcast it's crazy that i'm gonna be on it now but i listened to it it resonated with me and then i reached out to you and then from then like you know before then i had actually you know done the secret i had a little bit of knowledge of abraham so i was already kind of like law of attraction um uh, involved and then this came along and then I started doing the work and obviously I started going up my spiral and she wouldn't come with me she just said I wasn't trying hard enough so like that just kind of like I didn't even have to do anything we just kind of separated like everything just unfolded like we just it just happened and she decided to go take a break go to Pakistan and then both her and my daughter go to Pakistan so we're like but then even while we're there, we're still kind of arguing back and forth. And finally, she's like, you know what? This isn't working. Send me the divorce. Thinking because I had been kind of like the cowardly husband doing everything and anything for her to make sure she's happy because she came all the way from Pakistan and she's like my angel. She's going to cure me. So I was putting her on a pedestal. And I think that kind of maybe messed her perception or her personality up or something. Yeah. So I remember, she's, I, I remember when you got into boot camp you I don't think you even told me that you were gay when you got into boot camp you didn't I didn't and uh, you only knew I was married and had a kid yeah you were married and you had a kid and you wanted to get into boot camp to be better at manifesting yes <laughs> and, and just being uh, happier because I, I was said like in my mind I was happy but then like deep down I wasn't so I think like a lot of the messages resonated like yeah so like yeah. well, and you were ready you know we we, we qualify you to, to enter you into boot camp mm -hmm. You were definitely ready for it, but you didn't share that aspect at all. And no. it all unfolded while you were in there. And it was definitely surprising to me actually that it unfolded that way. Well, but it all unfolded while you were in boot camp. 
That is true. And the gimme just chills because, yeah, I didn't even realize how comfortable I became during that process about because again before then like I even remember like when I came out to my family even though like this I totally like blocked this one scenario out where like my dad found the porn and so my family always knew but we never ever talked about it so when I again I deleted that from my mind so when I had to like come out to them again like my mom was like yeah I already knew and I was like why didn't you tell me and then my brother was like, oh, if you choose this lifestyle and he was married at the time. And he's like, if you choose this lifestyle and if I have kids, I don't want you to be around my kids. I don't want gay influence about, around my kids. So I was like, oh, it's not worth it. I want my family over being gay. So I chose to like follow like whatever the family wanted rather than, you know, choosing my own path. But anyways, I mean, after through the tile, like, again, I started just loving myself I think like I dyed my hair like purple for the first time ever and that was just like even though like that's not necessarily a gay thing but in our culture that's definitely a gay I, I thing like, your 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 appearance changed <laughs> and that happens uh, a lot people's appearance does sort of transform as they start loving themselves more and being more open and authentic that I see that happen sometimes but your appearance absolutely changed in, in boot camp it did. I'm actually like, David, since I started, uh, I mean, even though I haven't been doing any dieting or exercising, I'm 40 pounds less since I started boot camp or even or just since I gotten out of this marriage, actually. So I, maybe I was carrying some of the stress weight just by being in it just to make somebody else happy. But anyway, so like she goes there, we separated. So like this me, like when she asked me to send the divorce, like the, their reaction surprised me because like, again, you're the one who asked me to send it. And then, and then they're all shocked, like, oh, my gosh, how dare you do this thing? Like, send me this divorce, this ugly paper. And, uh, and I'm just like, you're the one. Who, and then after that day, like, her whole family started, like, harassing me online messages. And they, like, posted on Facebook about, like, they had a drag, I had a drag picture. And they posted that. Like, I, I did drag for Halloween, like, way before I was even married. So it was, like, had nothing to do with our relationship. But like all these like me my pictures with like I do I did start painting my nails and stuff and like my nose pierced like they posted pictures of that like oh he's gay he's bad you know and then like I got like death threats people were upset some of my family members were even like so I was like they're doing all of this just trying to like scare me like because like I was saying that I'm gonna come visit my daughter like she's still my daughter even though we separated you and I divorced my daughter is still my daughter so so you you and your wife were here and your your daughter was here in the united states and then she your your wife took your daughter to pakistan yes so we kind of took a, like a break like it was that was a mutual agreement like you know we need a break we need to figure our things out and then find our way to separation and in the long run like i had already said like this isn't going to work we got to but then she just wouldn't accept it so it was like okay well i'm I think one of our cousins was getting married too. So like, okay, let me go over there, try to figure things out over there. And I don't know what the plan was. I think we just needed to separate at the time and it just unfolded that way. And when we got there, like, again, I used to uh, Skype with my daughter like almost every day, but then she started like coming up with excuses like, oh, the internet's bad or... So she wouldn't let me talk to my daughter. Like I even like my, um, I got my daughter an iPad. So like anytime she made a video or whatnot, it would just upload to the iCloud so I could kind of look at her pictures and whatnot so like through those I found where like she like my daughter's like hey like she made she's making a new video hey Baba how are you I miss you blah 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 like she's sending me this video 
And in the background, I can hear like my ex-wife like yelling at her, hey, don't call him. Make sure he do answer the phone when you're about to, about to call. He needs to learn a lesson, like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what lesson? Like, what are you talking about? Why are you trying to teach me a lesson? I'm just trying to talk to my daughter. So like they were just like very vengeful towards like me getting a divorce. So I was like, there's nothing I could do by sitting here and trying to argue. So I was like, you know, we'll see each other. I'll come over there and we'll face each other and talk about this. And if it needs to go to the court, we'll go to the court. And pen, the pandemic happened. So that last year, I couldn't go all year. And finally, this year, manifested my way there. And then once I get there, the very first night, uh, one of my uncles... Back to Pakistan since you've come out. Yes. The first time I'm going there as uh, an out, outed person and also since after Taya. So like, I don't know, I, I didn't... A lot of my friends and people here, like even the gay community, were like scared. They were like telling me, you know, if she's outed you and it's a Muslim country, it may be dangerous and you shouldn't go. And I was just like, no, it's not going to nothing. Nothing is going to happen because, you know, there's gay people there. They're just living. But again, I didn't I never would have imagined like, you know what was gonna happen like when I got there so like again I was just like I didn't care I just like I'm going to see my daughter there's nothing like me going to Pakistan and nothing to do with my sexuality it's literally just to see my kid so I just found I just found I just went there I didn't like I wasn't there was nothing fear based around it there was no fear around it so I did it I went and one of my uncles kind of uh got involved and it's like you know you guys need to like meet up and talk rather than like fighting with each other just meet up face to face and talk and I was like I am okay with that I would love to see her I'm not like I, I don't hate my ex-wife I know she's hurt she's going through a lot and a lot of times I can see her I can still see her through the perspective of source so like yeah I would love to face her I would love to see my kid and I know my daughter wouldn't want to see me alone she would feel more comfortable when her mom's there with her so I said yes I would love to so we ended up meeting at my uncle's house she comes with a brother so I go there and my daughter comes and she's just like shocked like to see me she's like oh my god like I haven't talked to him in a while uh we were talking over video chat but so she's just surprised so I'm just trying to like kind of communicate with her but she's just stiff like she doesn't like I hug her she doesn't even know how to react she's just like shocked so I have her sit next to me and and then she just wouldn't move. So I was like, do you want to go sit with your mother? Her mother was sitting right across from me. And she's like, yeah. So she goes and sits to her mom and me and her, me and her mom are talking. But the whole time I'm like giving a lot of focus to my daughter also. So I'm just kind of like being goofy, like waving at her, making faces, just kind of let her know, hey, I'm here to see you. And then eventually like she started making faces with me. So I was like, work. So like she is on board. And then she made this one, uh, emo bit, like it's an emoji where like, it's like shocked. Like, so like she used to do that when she used to live here. So she's like, Baba, like she makes that face. I was like, oh my gosh, I have a picture of that. And then I started like, uh, I just pulled out my phone. I have a picture of that. And she's like, can I see? And I was like, yeah, come through. So she comes and sits on my lap. And like within like minutes, she's like comfortable with me. Whereas when she walked in, she was like, oh my gosh, like, am I even allowed to talk to him? So like, I don't know what kind of pressure like they're putting on my kid. Like, so I'm like, I, these are all like judgment thing. I was like, no, just trust that she's fine there. But that kind of triggered me in the wrong way. Like she's too scared to even like interact with her father. But thankfully I was able to overcome that and just kind of be goofy with her and whatever. So like her mom starts crying. She's like, you know, I was, I've been dying to see her with her dad. So she's like, okay, yes, I do want 
her to have access or you to have access to your daughter and you can come pick her up the whole time you're here, spend time with her. So I'm thinking we're good. Like we kind of made up, we fought because me and her argued and fought and cried and like said what we both of us had to say. And afterwards, she's like, yes, you can, you're allowed to come see your daughter. So we're like, cool. The next night, me and my brothers go to see my daughter at her house or her parents' house. And when we get there, uh, uh, her father won't open the door. And he's like, goes up to the balcony and starts cursing at us. And we're like, what? We're here to see my kid. And they're like, y'all need to leave, like starts cursing. And I get angry. I was like, that's my kid. You can't stop me. I need to see her. So I start yelling back and it just causes a commotion in the neighborhood. So like all the like women are like, like peeking out of their windows and the doors and all the men kind of gather. So it's just me and my two brothers kind of yelling, like, we're here to see this kid. Why won't you let us see her? And then the men like, so we kind of look like we're the thugs where we come to your peaceful neighborhood and we're disturbing the peace. So we got all these men around us. So they're angry. Like, what are you guys doing? What's going on? And we kind of explained to them the situation. Like, it's been like a year and a half since I've seen my kid. Like, I really want to, I'm here to see her. They won't let me see her, blah, blah, blah. And the neighbor people were like, you know what? This seems like, you know, a personal issue. And if they're not letting you see it, it's a police case. You guys can't be loud. You guys need to leave. So we were like, sorry, you guys are right. And then we kind of, we just left. And next day we got a police come over to our house to kind of give us a report on like, uh, basically call us to the police station. So we're like, okay. So we go to the police station. It's me and my brothers. And, um, and then actually we got a copy of the report, the police report. So basically they went and told the police that me, my two brothers with six other men came with guns and we had, we threw bricks at their house. We broke and entered in their house and then like they kicked us out so like they did a report on us for breaking and entering so we never stepped the foot in the house but they that's what they reported to the police so we go so we go to the police station and so i'm thinking okay none of this is true because obviously if the police goes to their house they can clearly see there's no brick marks the door's not broken we did not come so there's no evidence of anything they're saying so i'm just like i'm not worried about it there's like no truth to this accusation so we go there, we're sitting in this big room. So it's me and my brothers, some random people in there, the police and everybody. And um, so we're all just sitting there and the police officer like kind of goes like this. And then it's a picture of me in drag. So he just holds it in front of the whole room. And he's like, who is this? And I'm just like, my heart just drops. I'm like, what the fuck you, is going I, on? You had no idea you were being called in for that. I didn't, I, I thought I was being called in for this breaking and entering, but then they're like, they put the drag picture up and I'm just like shook. And I was like, oh, that's me. But then I was like, okay, take a deep breath. Like again, the eight pound for me, like quick connect is like my best friend. Like, so like I was shook at that moment. I was like, what? And he's like, are you gay? And I was like, I didn't know how to answer that. Like, cause it just kind of golfed me off guard cause I'm in drag and then are you gay? And I was like, no. Like my first response was like, no. And then the police officer was like, oh no, look, his nose is pierced. He's definitely a fag. And I was like, oh my God. So like, they're all like, hee ha ha, laughing. And I was like, relax, like, don't get upset. Like, just breathe. And so then he's like- Interject here, what is the law in Pakistan? I didn't, I have no clue. Like, I didn't even look into it. Like, I was just totally like shook. Like, I didn't know what was gonna happen if I did say I was gay. Like, but the way they were laughing, 
like because for me it, this was a uh, for me it was about seeing my kid it wasn't even about the sexuality part like I didn't even care about that so like this has nothing to do with why I'm here like I'm here to see my kid and you guys are trying to like incorporate all this nonsense in to it has nothing to do with anything so anyways they asked me if I'm gay again and I was like no I was like I'm married I have a kid and he's like said that that doesn't matter you can still be gay and I was just like well um so he's like then why are you dressed like a girl and I was like okay well that was for a Halloween party which was the truth because that was way before I, I was like and I also mentioned this was way before I got married it has nothing to do with my marriage but this was for a Halloween party. It was like, this is the only one picture. It's the only one time I did drags, but it, it doesn't mean anything. And all the other pictures that I had were like, you know, with me nails and like hanging out with drag queens and everything. And they were like, who are all these people? And I was like, these are all my friends. This is just a group of people that I hang out with and whatnot. There's no judgment in America. Like you guys are judging here. And anyways, like that's basically all they say. And, they, and then afterwards they were like, okay, well, why'd you go to the house? So I was like, oh, was that it for the gay part? Okay, good. So for when they asked me for that, I explained that, you know, me and my ex-wife met, we both agreed and she told me I can come visit my daughter. So like, now that I think about it, maybe it was a setup or maybe like when she went home, her parents were like, no, I don't know what happened. But that's the reason, original reason I went there. And then when I got there, they didn't even let us in and we left basically. So I explained what happened. And then, um, they asked him and he was like oh yeah i had just gotten done praying and they banged on the door and they had guns and and then he's told his story and then they brought their witnesses which was the neighbors there and thankfully the neighbors were truthful and the neighbor and i think the way we interacted with them the way we were like you know you guys are right we're sorry we didn't like take up our anger with the neighbors we were just angry with um, my ex-in-laws so when we were like, yeah, and then he was like, you guys seem like good kids. Like, you know, you guys need to leave before it gets too serious, before the police gets involved, blah, blah, blah. So the neighbor, so when the police asked the neighbor, like the police asked the neighbor, like, I think two or three questions. First one was, how many people came? And the neighbor was like, just these three kids. Second question was like, did these kids have guns? The neighbor was like, nope, there was no guns. Third question was, did these kids go inside of their house? The neighbor said, no, they did not go inside of their house. So it was a case closed type of a situation like, oh, okay, well, these people are lying and these people were just went to see his kid. So like also the way I told my story about like, you know, wanting to see my kid, like even the police kind of empathized a little bit like, okay, this is not a big deal. He, they were just trying to like make him embarrassed of his drag, gay, whatever. So like that ends up getting closed. We end up getting fined. So we're like, okay, so we leave and they're upset that they lost that case. And then they end up escalating it to hire uh, the next level police. And I think at that level, they had like some connections or whatnot. So like, they were like, oh, these people bribed the other police and that's why they're getting away. And we we're like, no, we're getting away because of truth versus lies. Like, this is what the case is, truth versus lies. You guys are telling lies and we're just telling what happened. And the police is like, okay, well, we can figure out when the police went and saw there was no damage to your house, there was no brick marks or whatever that basically closes the case. So the second level police, they basically just wasted my time the whole, whole time I was there. Like they would just call us in, make us wait in the waiting room and then take my testimony and then make us wait again and then leave. So like we would waste days, multiple days at the police station because 
over this. They kept on asking, so why'd you go to her house? Blah, blah, blah. It's the same repeat. So I was like, oh, so this seems like maybe they have like some kind of a connection through this one because it's a basic close. So like they kept on like wasting our time they, rather than focusing, having my focus on my daughter to try to see her, they just uh, were trying to get me arrested. Like somehow we have to get him arrested. Like he needs to go to jail. Called in several times. Multiple times, yeah. And then finally with my case to get at least the visitation rights to see my daughter through the court, I did get approved. And the day that I got approved for her to come visit, they end up, again, I don't even know how this is possible. Again, it, it, it was a crazy thing that happened, but they ended up having like, they ended up winning that case because they hired some guys to pretend to be me and my brothers and testify that we did break and enter the house. And I was like, doesn't the police check their IDs? Do they have their signatures? Do they have like, is there proof? Because like we, thankfully that day we were at the courthouse the whole day because we were waiting for my daughter to come. So like, I was like, you know, I'm good because there's security cameras in the courthouse. We are alibis. We were here. So whoever went and testified that we did break and enter, we need to do a like a case on the police now because why didn't they check those people's IDs? Why, why are we? But the thing is, like, so like that's what I'm thinking. Like this isn't going to affect us in any way, but it's Pakistan. So that case was taken very seriously. So I became like a wanted person just because somebody went in and testified to something I didn't do. So we had to like then on top of trying to fight the case to meet my daughter try to custody visitation now we have to do this on top of that they were the ones that did like the whole facebook harassment they did a case on me on like cyber crime that i did all that and i was like why is the police just believing everything these people say so like that that just kept on like i kept on being treated like i was a criminal they were the victims and i was like this whole time i feel like like they just keep on coming at me and then it was the craziest thing. I was so calm throughout the whole thing. I, when I was there, it was just like, I just shook. But then like, when that happened, like my brothers, my uncle, like everybody was just like, you guys are going to get arrested because this is a big deal. Like before they do the investigation, like you guys are going to get, so like we had to pay all kinds of like uh, bail bonds or whatever to bail us out. And I was like, so we were actually like going to get arrested for something that we didn't even do. So like this whole thing, I think was a plan to just get me to their house and just to kind of like, okay, thank. So like, I'm grateful that I got to see my daughter the first night I spent time with her. And I was expecting that to be the first of many, but the rest of the night, like the rest of the trip, they just kind of had me go back and forth. Like how long were you over there altogether? Uh, about four weeks. So like, yeah, I was there for a full month. Yeah. It sounds like you spent a whole month in and out of uh, police stations then after the first meeting, right? Police stations and like the courthouses as well. So it was like back and forth. And I just kind of got so like, and then I think I kind of like started thinking about it too. Uh, how did I manifest all this? Like is, and then I think when we had that meeting, mentor meeting the other day, like everybody was scared for me, even like my mom, like, you know, cause you're gay. Like, again, everybody's just worried like what's gonna happen nobody knows what's gonna happen but for me I didn't care I just wanted to see my daughter so I was like I'm gonna find my path to seeing her and and I did see her and I and, I, and I'm glad I got to reconnect with her because like again at first I was so worried that was a fear of mine like what if she sees me she doesn't recognize me she's gonna be like 
And the way she kind of behaved at first, it kind of worried me a little bit. But I think she was just kind of nervous, maybe not knowing how to interact after such a gap. And then I apologize. I was like, I'm so sorry. It took me so long to see you, come see you, whatnot. But, but she opened up to me within maybe five, 10 minutes. Like that's how little time it took for her to hear when you were there. Is that yeah, that was the only night. That was the only time I got to see her. They never, they never brought her like the one time we got approved for just at least a visitation, right. For like her mom needed to bring her to the court. That's the time her family did the whole like fake people and testimony and all that. And I was like, how could they even get away with that? So like that whole case is still open. So they're investigating all that now. And I'm, and I was like, okay, I'm getting out of here. I don't want to keep on coming because my story is not going to change. It's going to stay the same. I went to visit my daughter. You guys didn't let me in. End of story, period. Like, I don't want to keep on telling that. And I think they kept on, because like, I was trying to ask, like, why would they keep on doing that? And they they said they were just trying to um, see if your story changes, waiting for your story to change. So that's why they kept on like waiting for you to like lie. Like you told, you told us this, but now you're this and find a way to get me arrested really. But I don't know. I just, every time I was there, just breathe confidence. And towards the end of it, like even at the courthouse, they, like her brothers try to present like the uh, gay pictures. And the. thankfully the judge was a little bit more educated. Like when I, when he asked me what it was, I was like, oh, it's Halloween. He was like, oh, okay. Like he was like, oh, okay. Like it was the end of story. I was like, and then they were trying to like, again, trying to bring more attention to the gay part, but the, courthouse didn't focus anything on the gay part it was just the police that was and then even after i told them and after they heard about like the daughter like they became like even the police became like very like okay encouraging like hopefully like they told me to take your nose ring off like you need to be like more manly presenting even though they're like we know you're gay but you're not and i was like okay thank you <laughs> like they were like we got your back in a way like take it off like just pretend just be and just i guess Uh, right so i was like they were all they already judged and they already said that you are definitely gay especially these pictures the nose and everything and after like the communication the uh, like the interaction with us with each other like it just kind of felt like they became like like especially the first the second one i feel the the higher up police i feel like they were probably like they definitely had to been bribed or like they had to have some kind of a connection because the story they just kept on coming back and asking her is just wasting our time like sitting there waiting and then telling me what happened so again yeah, that's well, just me you never know what was going on behind the scenes but i kind of want to get into um how it ended up we're going to take a quick break when we get back let's get into how it all ended up and then more importantly you know how you navigated all of this emotionally we'll be right back The Taya practice is changing lives all over the world. Listen to what just a few of our Taya Bootcamp graduates have to say. Taya practice has taken my professional life, me to a new level of abundance and happiness and joy on a daily level of existence that I didn't even know was possible. This work is profound. If you do the Taya Bootcamp and maintain a daily practice, you will fundamentally change your life. It changes everything about you, and it, it, it will affect all other aspects of your life, your health, your, your career, your money, your relationships. And I think that certainly has helped with my anxiety, with my mental health. I'm realizing that, wait a second, I do deserve the best in life. 
If you're ready to release fear and old limiting beliefs and learn to truly trust the universe to deliver all your desires, then it's time for you to join Taya Bootcamp. Visit thestreamofdavid.com forward slash TYA today and book your free discovery meeting. All right, we're back with Luke telling us about his uh, adventures in Pakistan. And it sounds like quite an adventure. It sounded like it, was, it wasn't the greatest trip. I kind of want to get into how you navigated all that. Yeah, it definitely wasn't the best trip. But at the same time, um, it was very, very, uh, I learned a lot about, I got to see a lot of the other side. Because I think this was my, also my first time going there uh, since my dad passed. So like usually every time we go to there, dad usually takes care of everything. Like we are just like us kids are, and uh, we're just there on vacation, but this time we had to handle everything. And actually that's another thing I uh, wanted to kind of mention because I was also right before I went there, I was doing the money mindset uh, for um, the course for that. And uh, when I, on top of all of this is going on, so like uh, we also had to deal with like everything with my dad and his passing. So I find out like everything, like my dad's whole business is bank accounts, like the motorcycle, like all the things, the car, everything's in my name. So like, I'm just like, what? Like, so like this whole time, like I, I was the one who was living with dad over there and doing a lot of work with him, but like all of everything, like his business and I have a property in my name and I have uh, a bank. So like all this just kind of came, obviously like I didn't do anything to earn it, but it just kind of fell. So I was like, wait, money mindset. Like I, ah. so that was just another side note really quick. So like the way I dealt with it, I think was, um, just looking through the perspective of source, my biggest transgressor through all of this was this whole family. But when I talked about them, I didn't talk about them with hate or um, I was like, they're just like, I would just see them as DTS and I felt kind of like, uh, it sucks, they're disconnected from source. Um, I even like found like appreciation for uh, my ex-wife. I was like, she's the reason my daughter is in this world. So like, my daughter, like she means something to my daughter. So like, I can't hate her because my daughter loves her. So like, again, things like these, like, like I, I didn't use fear or hatred towards them. I'm, I kept on saying they're just disconnected. Even when I would see them like face to face, they were just upset and angry. And I was like, and I, I remember like always I would smile at them and I was calm. And even like, I remember like one of the police officers started calling me like a lion, like you're such a lion. I was like, why are you calling me that? And then he actually called me and my brothers, all three of us. He's like, oh, the lions are coming. And that made me feel so prideful because like, I was like, I've never saw myself as a lion. Like I didn't, I never saw myself as a brave thing, but that made me feel so brave. And my brother points out, he's like, you know why they're calling us lions? And I said, why? He's like, it's because of you. You're the one that they have, they have the drag picture of. You're the one they have the gate. You're the one that they're trying to like, dragged down and you're just like smiling and just walking around like calm and uh and I, I kept on saying the trust was one of my biggest things just the tya trust your abundance i just kept on telling myself just trust like i manifested this like something great will come out of it so like all that self-talk and definitely there was a lot of times that i was feeling down the spiral i mean the, uh, there was a time where i actually even uh, kind of emailed you like david like um this all this is going on i'm kind of scared but at the same time like i don't 
know how I manifested this, but at the same time, I'm feeling comfortable. Like there's a lot going on. So like when you reached out and you told me you were able to, you know, see your daughter and I'll just try to focus on manifesting your way back. And that kind of clicked. I was like, you know what? I do want to start thinking about my journey back home and just manifest that and not be scared to get arrested or don't think about like all of this that's going on. Just trust that everything's going to work out. And then, and I think, again, looking from the perspective of source is a huge one for me. Cause like, I was like, if source, if God, if Allah loves this person, who am I or what am I to like sit here and judge them? No, like my inner being loves this person. So I, I can, I, I love them too. So like even this, like, again, I don't even, I don't send them any harm or any negative. Again, I, I hope they find their way. I hope they find connection to their source. And once they do, I feel like everything literally will be so much better and for them as well. And we're all going to be on a better journey. So that quick breathe, just appreciate, just find things like even this moment, like, okay, I'm, I'm alive. My cells, my eyes are working, like littlest things, whatever appreciation I can find and just smile. And I learned to smile with my heart and that just puts a better smile on my face. And I just, it's just been beautiful. And you, you got out, you got your passport and got, out of the country, even though you were uh, having all this legal entanglement, you did manifest your way home. Yeah, coming back was easy. Like, again, there was like, I already had a return ticket. So it's not like, and another thing over there, there's nothing technology, like everything is like still paper files. So like, if there was a police record, and I don't, again, it wasn't serious enough where it would have stopped me from traveling, I, I would have hoped. But everything is still like paper, so they wouldn't have like computer updates. So like I just went, I had my ticket, passport, everything with me, and I just flew safely back home. And then when I came back, actually, um, it was rough being here because like my brothers and my mom are still there. So I've been kind of like here by myself, uh, kind of dealing with it alone. So I for the first, I mean, on top of being jet lagged, I was just feeling kind of lonely and I, I felt very defeated for the first time throughout this whole thing. I was, I felt like a victim finally. I was like, why did I manifest this? What happened? Blah, 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 blah. And then uh, I, I went through that for a few days. And then after that, I was like, fuck this. I got to get over this. So I just started like, <laughs> medit- I was like, I got to do my meditation. Cause I hadn't done that when I came back, I got to do my meditation. I got to journal. And then when I journaled, that's when I started like I think like I'm talking like this I felt that way I did go up and down but now that I've worked my way through it I have I still have appreciation for them for providing me with this experience like this experience is gonna be it's something great is gonna come out of it and I already know it so that's been great a nice perspective to have so fresh off of an experience like that Taya (laughs) <laughs> it's literally tired trust me like david like before this i would have probably like i don't know like probably killed myself like with all this craziness that was going on there's a lot like there's a lot of pressure and even like people around me were like how are you able to smile and i was like tie up but you won't understand yeah but it is a very different perspective because the 3d perspective is you know you had this this horrible experience and you were treated bad and uh you're separated from your daughter and you know, you, you are a great example of what can be with, with, with some sort of a spiritual practice to mm-hmm. make sense of things in life that don't necessarily make sense on the surface. Yeah. 
it didn't like I I did question myself how did I manifest this or why am I manifesting this while it was happening then part of it like part of it kind of became like could this be energies of other people's fears that are that I maybe kind of taking into myself and then just experiencing it because like I I didn't I guess some sympathy like like again my mom was already scared like you know just don't even mention the gay thing when you're there I was like I've already been outed so it's not like I gotta hide it but she's like take your nose ring on like you can't go there uh, don't have your nails polished I'm like mom I'm gonna do all of that I'm gonna start a revolution I'm gonna blah 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 and I was talking all that but I was like but this time my focus isn't that I want my focus to be my daughter but like but then when I went there I was like no I'm not ready for this revolution yet like there's a lot that needs to be like done before any of this could like be able to face any of this because there is a lot of like judgment towards us yeah well I believe it's it's actually criminalized there I think it is actually against the law it is yeah but I mean I don't know I mean I know I know for a fact that it is a criminalized but I don't know what the because I remember like uh I met a gay guy over there a while back and he was on the DL and he I remember him saying it is against the law and he's I, I think he said you could get stoned for it but like there's no stories of that like we don't know if they're or but I mean I think they can kill you for it like because that's anti-islamic I found out like somebody killed somebody in my neighborhood just because uh, they said something against Islam and he got away with it because like, just because he said, she said something on Islamic and he killed her. So I was like, Oh, I could definitely be killed for a lot of my yeah, way of thinking. Yeah. So let me not just keep my yeah. mouth shut. Yeah. It's a very different, um, very different vibration than Western culture for sure. Uh, so just your bravery and, and your, you, how old were you when you left there? I was 10. So you've been gone so, for a while. You've been in the United States for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. I've been most, that's what, that's one of the things like I, most of my childhood I remember is from America. So I was like, what was my life, life like in Pakistan? So again, I found all that or remembered all that through, um, Taya, just like reconnecting and going back in time and, visiting all those different memories that I kind of bottled, bottled up and kind of buried away. And a lot of those are like life-changing experiences. So now you're, you're back here, you're safe. Your daughter is still there and yes. have not, you have not spoken to her since then. I have not spoken to her, but my case, like, you know, I still have like uh, uh, my uncle, I have my cousin who's the power attorney of me. So like, I do have somebody who's already representing me over there. So the case is still going on. We're still going back and forth. So I'm just trusting like, yeah, everybody was already telling me like, I'm not going to win the case because because she's a girl, girl needs a female influence and she's going to, her mom's going to win. I was like, why? Like they need to look at like who could like better support her or her mind. I don't know. But I was like, I'm just going to just trust. I mean, now like recently my, my lawyer was like, maybe we might be able to get her. I was like, I would love that. He's like, if we could get her and you can, would you come back to Pakistan? I was like, 100%, I will come get her. So hoping that all works out. And do like joint uh, custody between two countries. Um, I don't know how that would work. That seems pretty drastic to go back and forth between Pakistan and the United States. No, I would love to just get the custody and bring her back here. Like yeah. she doesn't need to stay there. Like, 
I would I would love that. And I think that's what my lawyer is trying to do now. He's trying to try to work out a way where I could get her. So what do you think it's like all- going to be like for her if she's there? I don't, because like, I have a lot of judgment with that actually, because like the way she was scared to see me, it made me think like, is there a lot of pressure? Like, again, the, the video that I found with uh, her being all cutesy with me and then her mom in the background yelling at her, like, don't talk to him, blah, blah, blah. And then, so like, and I have found other videos of like her just playing with her toys, but I can hear her family in the background talking shit about me. So I was like, she's around that kind of negative talk about her own father. That can't be good for her. So again, I'm, I'm just thinking maybe it's not good for her psychological health. And then after her mom wouldn't let her talk to me, I think maybe within a few months, like she became depressed. My daughter became depressed. So her mom, rather than like, hey, okay, let me, for the sake of my own daughter, let me let her talk to her dad. She, she gets her on depression, antidepressant pills. And my daughter's six. And I was like, I'm not okay with that. She literally just wants to talk to me and you would rather give her pills than to let her talk to me. So like those things, when I think about that, I was like, I would, I don't, I'm not insecure where I would stop her from like, she, she would be more than welcome to keep in touch with her mom. I could afford to fly her back and take her they from there can. So like if her mother gets to keep her again, all this is judgment based, but I think that's what I struggle with. I, I keep on like arguing with my own self. Like I, I'm thinking certain things and I argue like, oh, I'm judging myself. But she, she, I would, I, from my perspective, I would love her to be here. I don't, I don't think her mom's taking good care of her, if you will. Because she's being petty rather than looking at her mental health or her health. Yeah. So moving forward the the challenge is to to detune that and see it as an experience but when when it's your daughter that's your experience whatever it is wherever you you know move through this journey because she's only six so yeah. the journey of you know shifting focus to source perspective which is what we do in Taya you know, on the surface, it's, oh, well, you're supposed to just, uh, <clears throat> you know, have appreciation for all things. Well, there's no rules in Taya. Your experience is your experience. So your experience of your relationship with your daughter and your experience of how you feel about your daughter's life, however, whatever that is, is what it is. Mm. But the more you can pull the the source perspective of non-judgment into it, the more it sort of it softens and makes sense of the things that seem senseless. It does. I think like what helps with that portion, and I keep on reminding myself, like this is the journey she chose. Like, you know, the, like her soul chose this. So like, I need to like release my judgment from it. Cause she probably needs to experience all of this as part of her journey to come out of, do something great with it. So relax with whatever like you know she's still with her mother her mother still loves her like I still trust her mother like her, she's being petty with when it comes to me but when it comes to her own daughter she's still like like she still takes care of her still still good but it, when it comes to her father that's the only bias that she has so I trust that her mother is taking good care of her and you know my daughter manifested this path just like I did and we're just all on our journeys and 
we're gonna find our way again and even the stream had mentioned you know like it's just a temporary separation like it's a it's a it's a connection that was created before this 3d reality so it's a strong connection so we'll meet again for sure well there's a, there's a vibrational connection there that can't be broken by distance for sure definitely and the uh, the the separating for the need for the outcome is so powerful also oh, okay think about that the that is they're not needing a specific outcome and, and allowing source to deliver the best possible outcome, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. That's such a high vibration in, in comparison to dipping, you know, and, and you're going to go through a range of emotions on this. She's your child. Definitely. Yeah. It's been a very, very emotional roller coaster. Like for the most part, like I feel like, um, I don't want to say negative, but like, you know, sadness has been the bigger part of it. And then just finding appreciation through it. But then just like, just trusting that, you know, I, I keep on fantasizing about like, you know, seeing her when she's a little bit older and then running into her and, or even when she's older, like she may look me up and I'm always welcome and open. Or if she, if she, if I can manifest her sooner, like there's no time limit. There's been times where I've met, I've visualized seeing her right now when she's a teenager. So it's just like random visions and dreams that just pop. And I think that's also been helping me just kind of be like, uh, okay, like, you know, she still loves me. Like I already, like, I think that was my biggest uh, fear is if uh, like all this talk that she's hearing from her mother's side, like, I don't, I don't want it to affect her. Like she her to start thinking like, oh, my dad's a bad person. I hate him. He doesn't want to reach out to me, blah, blah, blah. Like these are the kind of stories that I'm, Maybe I'm just assuming that's what they were telling they might be. Because again, some of the things that I've heard while they're talking about me in the background is just like, they're so mean. Like, why are they, what did I do? I literally took care of you guys. Like, even that too, like, I think part of the divorce might be a financial thing too, because um, I used to like send them money. Uh, like they would have, they, were, they, they would struggle. So like uh, sometimes I would send them money and then sometimes even my dad would send them money. So like, me and my dad are living in the same house and like like we're both sending this family money so like part of their marriage with our family was I think financial as well so like I think that was the biggest thing they had that affected them is because of the divorce we don't have that dollar income anymore yeah and they were just kind of like shook by that and how are we gonna are because because like they were coming like a lower class family if you will and because of the marriage within our like the whole class system they have all that over there and i think that affected them and then that escalated their stature or whatever and then i have no clue but i i I'm, i i think that's just me just thinking like um that might be one of the things that's triggering so much like hate like we don't have that lifestyle anymore because he's not our son-in-law or he's not sending us money for no reason anymore money for no reason i like that so the uh something that i want to tell you is you probably really know this story from me but you know my parents split when i was six and my mother turned us against our father uh, and our stepmother and as i got older i and, and got to see you know my mother <laughs> from a more mature perspective and see what she was really all about uh it was it was interesting because things just sort of flipped around 
And I came to understand more about my mother and why she would do that, what her motivation was. And when I came out of the closet at 24, uh, my mother never spoke to me again after that. She completely just shut, shut me out for the next, you know, the rest of her life, the next 20 years. And my father was accepting. So, you know, all that time I spent as a child sort of, uh, you know, listening to all these horrible things about my father. And then it was very uh, interesting how once I was old enough to really see clearly how my father never said a negative thing about my mother ever, ever, never, not one word has he ever spoken to me about my mother. And my mother had nothing but horrible things to say about him, you know, and so that affected us for a while. But eventually a child is going to mature and, and start to question and see people differently. And so I think that there's a whole, there's several more chapters ahead of you where that may be the case. Yeah. And I've seen uh, like, you know, dreams about that where, you know, she is a teenager and like, she's looks, she's, she finds me and then like tells me basically something like that. Mom's crazy. And I was like, ha, figured. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, keep, keep, you know, I know you will, but definitely keep trying and, and keep doing your tile work and, and, and again, set that intention for the best possible outcome and allow the universe to work its magic and, you know, don't put up place all of this pressure on society's idea of, of what your relationship is supposed to be with anyone. Yeah, there was a lot of pressure of that too. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of people were trying to like get us back together even now. And I was like, even after all that she's done, like I even, and then again, I, I was open to that for the sake of my daughter. I was like, you know what? I will work with it. I don't, I mean, I'm not trying to like get in a relationship with her, but like maybe like we could work something out. Like if she wants to be roommates or like come back to America and be like, in the, I don't know, like I am willing to work with whatever, but I was always open to any suggestions, but they were suggested thinking that I wouldn't be open because like again they're like she suggested it and I was like yeah I'm open to that like for my daughter's sake I want to be in her life that's my end goal period and then even that was like oh okay no didn't they didn't respond well to that but it was your idea like ugh. so I'm just gonna go with it and just trust that everything whatever is happening and I'm glad like again even though I I personally said, okay, fine, I'll deal with it. Because like a lot of people were like, she's technically still your wife. You still haven't like, the official divorce hasn't gone through yet. So like, just work it out. And even when I agreed, like something happened and it just didn't work. And I, I just say that I am grateful that it wasn't supposed to work. The universe, I, I, I don't, but I'm just saying yes for the sake of others. But even like God is like, yeah, I know you don't need to go back with her right now. So that's what I would tell them. Like, no, it didn't work out. I, you saw me. You saw me saying, yes, I am open to ideas or open to work. But they're the ones that keep on changing their minds or keep on saying, no, no, no. We don't. We just don't want him to see his daughter, period. It's yeah. a challenge We're we're going to make sure he doesn't see her. And I was like, okay. Well, you're doing, you're doing really well. I'm really impressed with um, just how you're processing all of this. And I always tell people, you know, the Taya practice is not about perfection. It's not about never having obstacles. It's about mm -hmm. how, how you process life's obstacles. 
and how you, you manifest what's next and what's next and what's next and make it a magical journey. But we didn't come here for ease and perfection. We came here for challenges. Mm -hmm. I agree. I definitely agree. And that's what makes it. And I think even then, like, since I've been back, I'm finding like, even like things being boring. So I was like, maybe I need to be a little bit more challenged to even like find work that's a little bit more challenging or California has been calling my name. And I was like, I don't know why. I don't know what's there. I don't have anything. So I haven't even looked for jobs, but I do want to change and do either Florida or California, but I don't want to be in the cold weather anymore. So I, I'm going to be looking for changes coming up soon as well. Yeah, do that. Come to Palm Springs. You'll love it. It's hot all the time. <laughs> yeah, I was, and Palm Springs was, I mean, I was thinking about that too, but I mean, I'm just assuming, I don't know, it just seems like an expensive place to live. It just seems like a luxurious place. Yeah, no, it's it's expensive, but uh, you know, there's, and California has, there's a lot of tax here. Okay. <laughs> the state income so tax. I'd have to find a nice job, but I could you got to manifest, to live a luxury. you manifest will. things, you manifest your path, you manifest, I guess, Again, it's the best possible outcome. You, you, your, your intention is to come to California. It's not about allowing the, the typical roadblocks to stop you. It's about allowing the universe to, to open up the path for you, whatever that looks like. Yes, yes, that is so true. Yeah. And yeah, for some reason, California kept on popping in my mind. And I was like, I don't know of anybody. I mean, you're there, but I mean, like anybody like other than um, like, I, I personally don't know anybody there or why would I California pop? But I guess we'll just explore. I'll look into it and see what options are there and go from there. Yeah. So definitely check it out. Well, Luke, thank you so much for sharing your story. And uh, it was, you are a lion. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I love that they called you a lion because uh, you were, you know, shaking in fear with everything they were throwing at you. Uh, and it, it's, it's um, commendable and inspiring the way that you processed all that because I'm sure none of that was easy, but you did and you got through it. And, uh, you know, we had our exchange while you were over there and I knew mm -hmm. you were going to come back and I knew you were going to be on this podcast sharing that story. <laughs> I really appreciate you for this too. Like it actually empowers me as well. Like, cause I, again, for me, it's just something that happened. So like you were saying that it's uh, something that is like, again, even when he called me lion, it didn't, I didn't I never saw any of this to be courageous it was just me doing what I thought I needed to do but I definitely appreciate you for you know taking interest and like listening to my story and yeah if it helps somebody out there and I'm I'm happy and if they want to reach out and talk more and get ideas or whatever about Taya but Taya is it changed my life and I literally can say I was a coward and I went from a coward to becoming a brave lion very good. Thank you so much, Luke. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, David. Have a good one. Hi, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you like what we shared here today, and if it inspired you to think differently, even for just a moment, I have something that you're absolutely going to love. It's a full 90 minute masterclass where I've condensed all the knowledge that I've acquired throughout the years after writing two books and helping hundreds of people change their lives. Take the action steps that I share in this masterclass the only place that I share this is in these masterclasses aside from my Taya Bootcamp program. And if you know our teachings, you know that we're not about rainbows and fairy dust. We are about extreme ownership, claiming the power to transmute anything in your life to something positive, claiming the power to create your life exactly the way that you dream of it. 
So everything that you're going to learn in the masterclass is something that you can take and apply in your life as soon as you're done watching. So just go to the streamofdavidmasterclass.com and register and take this 90-minute masterclass. It will transform your life. Again, that is the streamofdavidmasterclass.com. Again, if you enjoyed this episode, you are absolutely going to love this masterclass. Thank you again. I'll see you in class.